When we were kids, and all of us were kids at some point in time in our life, right? No matter what generation we would consider ourselves to be a part, a part of, whether we're from the boomer generation or from Gen X or if we call ourselves millennials or even Gen Z, we all had some common experiences. And one of the common experiences was that every one of us, no matter the generation, we all played two of the same games. As a matter of fact, I don't think that there is anyone here today who'd say that they didn't play either of these games. Anybody know what games they are? No. Hide and seek and... You kidding? Gen Zers don't play dodgeball. That's a little, that's a little too rough. Love you. Love you, Gen Z. What else? Hide and seek and tag. There you go. There you go. Hide and seek. I'm sorry. Gen Z, I, that's, that was mean of me. That really was. I apologize. You're not as soft as older generations claim you to be. But I'm going to get emails now about that. <laughs> See, both games, tag and hide and, hide and seek, were very simple to play. In one game, tag, you're simply trying to run away and, and increase the distance from the person who is designated to be it, whether you're playing on a playground, backyard, or maybe you play tag throughout a whole neighborhood, right? The person who is it, they would be the one who continues to chase after, to pursue until they were able to touch somebody else, and then they would become it. And then if growing up, if you got bored of just a good old tag, you, you came up with different variations of tag, like what? Freeze tag, what else? TV tag, there you go. Cartoon tag, music tag, right? Serial tag, right? And, and so we, we all played tag growing up. We understand the, the idea. It's, it's very simple. In the other game, hide and seek, um, those who aren't it don't run from the person who is it. They try and hide from them, right? Both games, though, it's very, very clear that there is a difference between the pursuer and the pursued. The pursued knew, right? They knew who was pursuing them, and they knew what their job was to avoid being caught. Today, we're in week three of experiencing God, and as we've said the last couple of weeks, I'm going to try and unpack some truths, some thoughts based on the workbook. And so in your workbook, if, you, if you're paying attention, uh, or if you looked ahead, or maybe you're actually in the middle of, of week three, however your D group is meeting, you would know that this week's theme is that God pursues. God pursues a love relationship if we're using the, uh, the actual reality that is real and personal. And so this morning, if you've been in church long, if you grew up in church, if you've been in church environments for, for you know, um, any, any amount of time, you have inevitably stumbled upon the age-old debate about who the pursuer is when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and we can just sum it up in this question. Did you seek God or did God seek you? How many of you have ever heard that question? You've sat in churches, Bible studies, conversations. You've just wondered, what, what, who, who, who chases after who? Who's the pursuer and who's the pursued? 
And there's lots to unpack about that, but what I want us to do is I want us to, to pull back and I want us to, to just think for a minute about the overarching theme of the Bible and ask the question of, of the scriptures. Like when we look at the scriptures and we, we trace the, the story of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what do we see? Do we see on the pages of scripture people pursuing God or do we see in the scriptures God pursuing people? Again, to, to, to find the answer, to begin to unpack that thought, we need, we need not look any further than the very first lines of the scriptures would simply state, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Now, what does that tell us? Well, it tells us, it tells us a lot, but I like what John Stott wrote in his classic book, Basic, Basic Christianity, when he, he shared this about this fundamental truth about God. God always makes the first move whether it is the creation in the beginning God or our personal relationship with him, we are never, and I like this phrase, we're never first to the scene. We're never first to the scene. The first four words of the Bible are, are more than a way of launching into the story of creation or even introducing the book of Genesis to us. The first four words of scripture really provide and opens up our understanding of what the, the Bible really is about as a whole. The story that it tells. And these four words tell us that it's God. It's God who takes the initiative. And the truth, of, the truth in this should comfort us. We can never take God by surprise. We can never catch him off guard. He's the one who always makes the first move. Before we existed, God took action. Before we decided to Look for God. God was on the move looking and pursuing us. See, the Bible isn't about people trying to discover God, but about God reaching out to find us. And that story is told time and time and time again throughout the scripture. We just need to turn a couple of pages at the very beginning and see this play itself out with Adam and Eve. See, it was God who pursued Adam and Eve after they sinned in the garden. What was Adam and Eve's first response? Their first response was to run and hide. God's first response was to pursue. And as he pursued them, he didn't say, what did you do? He said, where are you? Where are you? God was the one who pursued Jonah when he, he ran from his calling, when, when he ran away from Nineveh. Jonah didn't want anything to do with God's call on his life, and God pursued him literally to the depths of the sea to pursue Jonah. God pursued Elijah when he ran from Ahab and Jezebel. If you know the story, Elijah was tired of doing what God wanted him to do and he, was, he actually experienced a season of depression and he felt all alone and isolated. And he tried to, in my mind, tried to just tap out on, on God's calling for his life. And God pursued him and met them by a tree, met him by a tree and offered words of encouragement to keep him going. We turn over to the New Testament, we see God was the one who pursued Paul on the road to Damascus, Acts 9. And that pursuit of Paul literally knocked Paul off of his feet. Right? And we know Paul's story. That, that encounter with God, that pursuit that God went on, led to one of the most influential lives ever lived for the sake of God's kingdom. 
And so this morning, again, when we, when we read these stories, I think it's good for us to, to, to think about, okay, what, is, what do these stories mean for me? How can, I, how can I see myself as part of God's story? Well, I think there's a lot of, a lot of similarities. I think, I think for some in this room, like Adam and Eve, you're hiding today in your own guilt and shame. You're hiding from God. Some are here and you're like Jonah. You're running because at the end of the day, you don't like God's call in your life and you're resisting it and you're trying to escape what God has clearly told you to do. So you find yourself like Jonah this morning on the run from God's call. Some are like Elijah. Some of you are just tired of doing what God's asked you to do. You look at some of the things that you've done and, and you feel like, man, what, it's, what was it all worth? And you feel all alone and you just want to tap out and say, God, I just, I just want to coast. I just need an out from following you for a while. Others like Paul, let's be honest. Some of y'all just need to be knocked off your feet. Literally. Literally. To recognize that God has a plan for your life. And that God wants to use you to accomplish a work, his work, in and through you in your life. You know, when we talk about this, this question, do we see God or does God seek us? I get that a lot of us, when we talk about it, we talk about it from just a, a place of honesty. When we talk about searching for God or, or finding God, like when you became a follower of Jesus, that's what it felt like. Like you went on a search. You went looking. But that begs the question, was God lost? I mean, is God lost? And, and, and again, it's just going to continue to poke around here. Some of us feel that way. You, you came in this morning, you'd say, you know what, Trent, the truth of the matter is in my life, the last season of my life, it, it's the way it feels. It feels like, like God's nowhere to be found. Like he's gone missing, out in the universe somewhere. Remember we talked about practical deism, disinterested, disengaged from my world. And, and you feel like maybe at best you're on a, on a cosmic hide and seek, that you are the pursuer trying to figure out where God is, looking for any breadcrumbs that he may have left behind for you to discover. But listen, as your pastor, as your friend, that is completely backwards. Let me just tell you that, that God is the one pursuing. God is the one who, is com who comes time and time again looking for us. And so our job is not to figure out how to go out and find God. Our job is we'll continue to unpack and, and we're going to punch this at the end again. Our job is simply to stop running and stop hiding that's our job as we think about God's pursuit of us. And we do it, we stop running and we stop hiding not to earn God's love, but to simply receive it. Not to turn on the light, but to step out of the shadows. See, if we study the life of Christ, we see that, that, that in, in Jesus, we find a God who is on the move, a God who, who pursues, a God who and maybe this is not, isn't the right way to say it, but he hunts down the world for our reconciliation so he can bring us into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So the question that we're then left with is not whether or not 
we've pursued hard enough, whether or not we've searched long enough, whether or not we've jumped high enough, the question that we have to ask is simply this, do we want to be found? Do do we want to be found? Because as God pursues us, we can, just like kids on a playground, we can continue to run, hoping to put more distance between us and God, or we can try to hide from him like kids playing hide-and-go-seek, and and we can put on camouflage and wear masks and try to pretend like he won't notice or hope that he won't pay attention to the fact that we're hiding from him. See, no matter the method that you choose, you need to know this. You need to be reminded of this. And some of you, you need this morning to believe this. Not believe this, but you need to get it from here, here. You need to believe this if you're going to experience God in your life. If you're ever going to know and do the will of God, you need to believe that God is pursuing a loving relationship with us that is real and personal. And I'm going to add to Dr. Blackaby's reality, and he's not going to give up. He is not going to give up. See, we have a tendency in our lives to give up. For me, some of you have heard me tell this story about my college love, Rosebud. Yes, her real name was Mary, but nobody knew her as Mary. Everybody knew her as Rosebud, and I thought that I had found the love of my life. And we started a connection and started a relationship, and, and I just pursued her. I just knew she was the one for me, and I pursued her. And she lived in Virginia, and I went, went tried to go down and see her. And we, she came up into Michigan and saw me, and I was just convinced. But at some point in time, she began to run. Not literally. Maybe. I don't know. But she began to pull away and separate herself from me and, and create distance between us. And I, I pursued and I pursued and I pursued and persisted. But at some point in time during this relationship, you know what I did? I gave up. I quit. I'm done. I'm done pursuing any longer because it's clear she doesn't want a relationship with me. And I am so thankful that she didn't because I like the alternative a whole lot better. Amen? Tell Pam I said that. She's not here. <laughs> and so what about the Bible? Where we? I'm telling you some stories, trying to paint a big picture. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to turn to a familiar passage to see this again. Luke 15. See, Jesus, in the parables of Luke 15, he's really talking about the pursuing nature of God, Right? The story of the sheep and the coins and the lost son. It it talks about the pursuing nature of God. And I just want to read, I want to read the first story, the story of the of the lost sheep. And as we do, I, I want you to see and feel and sense the pursuing nature of your father's heart. Starting in verse three, Jesus told this parable. He said, So he told him this parable. What What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost? For how long? A day, a week, a month, a year, a decade? No. Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he didn't give up. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. Again, in this story, we see in verse, verse 4 the relentless nature of our pursuing God. He searched for the lost sheep until he found it. We see the tenderness of our, of our searching, our pursuing father. That when he found the sheep, he put them on his shoulders to carry him. He didn't break the legs of the sheep to scold him for wandering off. He picked them up and put them on his shoulders. And again, that image of a, of a tender shepherd is the same image that we should have of our heavenly father as he chases after us, as he pursues us. He is also tender toward us. And then we see the joyfulness of our father in heaven. Rejoice with me. I found the lost sheep. I found the lost sheep. In the same way, God, he pursues us. And he doesn't pursue us. And now you think about, you think about these kind of um, horizontal earthly relationships. And we think about pursuing. And a lot of times we think in terms of, of romance and love, right? Sappy Hallmark movies. Girl pursues, you know, guy pursues girl or I guess vice versa anymore. And, and, and we think about that and we think, well, why do, why do we pursue each other? Well, a lot of times if we're being honest, we pursue because we're lonely or because we're needy. That's not why our Heavenly Father pursued us. It's not because he was lonely. It wasn't because he was needy. And it wasn't because he wanted to bring us in for the crimes that we've committed so he could punish us. You know, when we think about pursuit, that's another image that comes into our mind is a, is a police officer tracking down, chasing, pursuing the criminal on the run because of the wrong that they have done. And those pursuits are, are necessary and needed, but that's not the way, and that's not the rationale, and that's not the reason our Heavenly Father pursues us to somehow bring us in so he can press charges against us, even though he could. It's crystal clear. His pursuit of us is rooted in his love for us. His love for us. The Bible, again, it's crystal clear. It's, a, it's the story not of man's pursuit of God, but of God's pursuit of man out of love and affection and a desire for a relationship. He is absolutely crazy in love with this creation. He loves you. And some of you need, you need to not just hear that, but you need to believe that. You need to absolutely believe that this morning. The Old Testament prophet Zephaniah, and I love, I love this verse. Zephaniah 3.17 wrote this. He said, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult, rejoice, some of your translations say, over you with loud singing. There's a song, at least I think this way, maybe it, there was some metaphor in all this, but man, I just like to think that God, God has a song just for you. A song that he sings over you, sings about you. He, he thinks of you. He thinks of me. 
and it causes him, it brings him great joy. There's a couple of thoughts about this, though, that we need to slow down and, and remember. Two thoughts, two crazy thoughts about the love that God has for us, about the pursuit that God goes on so that we can be in a relationship with him. The first one is this, and if you're taking notes, write it down. God pursues us knowing that we might not love him in return. Some of that, I don't have my mind fully grasped around that. I, I, I don't, and anybody who's rock solid sure on, on how that all works out, I get a little bit leery of. But here's what we know. We know this, that Jesus died for our sin. He was buried for our sin. He, he was placed in a tomb for our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. And we know that three days later, he rose again, victorious over sin and, and, and death and the grave, right? And he did that so that we could have the opportunity for our sins to be forgiven, so we could have the opportunity to be, to be reconciled back to our Heavenly Father, so that we could have uh, a place in the family today and a part of the kingdom today and a home in eternity with him forever someday. All of that was accomplished solely by the work of Jesus on the cross. These truths are the very foundation of our faith. We understand, the scriptures teach us that, that Jesus died for the world, for the sins of the world. And so, again, some of this is a little bit of a mystery, but, but I think it's fair to say that we all have the same invitation. We all have the same invitation. Jesus made the, the ultimate gesture of his love in his pursuit of us, again, on, on the cross, and demonstrated who he was with the empty tomb. He is pursuing all of mankind. But, and, and this is... This is, this is a big but, okay? This is, this is big. Not all will accept the invitation, and he knew that. He knew that, and he died anyway. He paid the price anyway. Some would reject him. Some have rejected him in this room. Some up until this point in time in your life have continued to resist and reject. And every time you're confronted with the reality of Christ's sacrifice, when you're confronted with the reality of your own sin, you make excuses or you say, yeah, but, or you push back or you still, you're still skeptical or you're still questioning or wondering how it all fits together. Listen, I understand questions and I understand taking your time to figure things out. But at some point in time, you have to believe that out of God's love for you, he sent Jesus, and Jesus paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and made right with him and be in a relationship with God in this life and in the life to come. But you've been rejecting it. But remember this, it still doesn't stop him. It didn't stop him from dying, and it won't stop him from pursuing you. He endured the cross with joy, with his heart and his eyes looking forward to hopefully every single one of us 
Hebrews 12, 2 says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he, he looked across the time of time and eternity, time and space. He wasn't and isn't bound by time, and he could see those who would, instead of putting distance between them and God, hiding from God, they would step into the light and let the pursuit end in a relationship with him. God pursued us and pursues us knowing that we may not love him in return. And that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me because I know me. I have my limits. I have my limits. And then there's something else that's crazy about the love of God. And that's this, is that God continues to pursue us even when we fail. And I'm talking to believers now. Even when we fail. In your life, you've given up on people, haven't you? You have. You've given up on people because they let you down in some way. And, and we could go and kind of each tell our own stories of, of, of the reasons why you just gave up on a relationship. You gave up on, on something. You may talk about being an employer, right? And, and you tried and tried and tried to work with that employee who just couldn't get it, couldn't understand it, continued to, you know, to, to, to be dysfunctional in their work, not showing up on time, whatever, whatever. And at some point in time, as the employer, you had to say, I had to give up on them. I couldn't, I couldn't continue the relationship with them. I had to let them go. Some, you had a friend that maybe the things that they did, things that they said, the way they, they acted, led you to say, I can't, I can't be in this relationship anymore. It's not healthy. It's not good for me. And you let them go. You, you stop pursuing that friendship. Some of you have had a church experience, right? You've sat in churches under, you know, dysfunctional leaders and, and, and you've had things happen to you in a church where you're like, I just, I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. I gotta, I gotta get out. I gotta leave, right? We've walked away. We, we've all, we've all stopped pursuing something, someone because of the actions that we've, in, that we've seen and observed in them. And we've been forced to leave. And it's also the opposite. We know what it's like to have somebody walk on on us. You, you have had a friend walk out on you. You have had a spouse leave you. You have had churches abandon you. And, and not come around you in your greatest time of need and your deepest hurt. You, you have been on the other end and have been pushed out. Right? So we understand relationally that that, that that happens. People fail us. We fail people. But God continues to pursue us even when we fail him. Turn to Psalm 139. I want us to read this, at least a chunk of it. I think this is a, a good word from, <clears throat> from David. 
Psalm 139. David writes this. He says, oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. He's, he's rehearsing. I, I, I just picture in my mind David writing and just rehearsing things that he, he knows to be true about God. He says, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. That can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? How many of you, when you think about the fact that God knows you, you're like, that, that's great. I'm glad that he knows me. And then there are times you're like, Oh, no. He knows me. Right? He says, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. God, you, you're there. You know it. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And then he's just, I can just imagine him writing this, this psalm, pausing and going, I need to say, what can I say? What, what's the next one? And he's like, I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, that's it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I, I can't, it's, it is high. I cannot attain it. I can't even explain who you are. And then he, he begins to, to kind of tease this out some more. So he says like, so where shall I go from your spirit? If I wanted to run, where am I going to go? Or where shall I flee from your presence? It's silly to think that I, I can do anything to escape you, God. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. Or, or, or if I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Let me just stop there. You're running and you're hiding is futile. Because God is already there wherever you are. Wherever you're running, wherever you're hiding, God is there. Why? Because it's his nature to pursue us even when we fail him. Romans 8, 37 and 38, again, very familiar, be up on the screen just to remind ourselves of this truth that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He said, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor principalities. I'll, I didn't give you enough of the verses. I'll finish it here. That's, that's on me, guys. I didn't give you enough verses. <clears throat> For I am, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing will separate us. Our biggest mistakes, our worst failures, nothing can separate us from God. The love of God pursues us and follows us, even when we fail, even when life is hard, and when we find ourselves in dark places. His love never fails to pursue us. So, 
Back to the question. I'll ask it again. I asked it at the beginning. Do we, do we pursue God or does he pursue us? And the answer is, are you ready? Yes. The answer is yes. How's that? For that definitive theological stand. Right? What, what do we mean? Well, we talked about it last week, right? We, last week, the whole thing was looking to God, that we, we have been invited to seek him. And when we seek him, we will find him. When we seek for him with all of our hearts. Now, again, that is not for our salvation. All right? Let's establish that. That's not for our salvation. But inside of the relationship, the pursuit isn't, ought not, can't be a one-sided pursuit. Any more than a marriage, you can only have one party pursuing intimacy and depth of relationship with the other. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. That's not, that's not what marriage is about. That's not relationship. That's not what intimacy is about. And so I'm not contradicting everything that we talked about last week. But what I am saying is this, is that when you begin to seek God, going back to tag, when, when you first repent of your sins and instead of running from God, you start running toward God. When you stop hiding inside of the relationship, thinking that, that, you know what, maybe God just won't notice, maybe God doesn't see, maybe he'll overlook, so I'll just wear this camouflage, I'll just wear this mask. When you actually begin to seek him, when you begin to pursue him, here is what you will discover. Is that he's been seeking, chasing, pursuing you all along. From the very beginning. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. Let me say it again for somebody who still needs to be convinced. He loves you. And our Heavenly Father, again, motivated by this unexplainable love, pursues humanity. No matter the stage of life that you're in, whether you're married, single, dating, living for God, running from God, trying to hide from God, listen, God will continue to seek to win your affection. The affection of your heart by relentlessly and faithfully pursuing you. And so today, if you love the idea of being pursued by God, but somehow you doubt it, you doubt his love, may his word and his spirit today encourage you and remind you and convince you that you are the object of God's affection. So what? Amen, Trent. That's really good stuff. Yay. Praise God. So what? What am I supposed to do with this? Let me give you two so what's. <clears throat> Some of you, your so what is stop running. Some of you just need to stop running from God. Turn around and see his loving face pursuing you, chasing you. Not because he's mad at you. 
is trying to bring you in so he can press charges against you. But because of he, because he loves you. Look at the cross. That's what the cross is. So what? Well, for some of you, you need to stop hiding. You need to step out of the shadows. Step into the light. Remove the camouflage. Take off the mask. Because and you, you don't need to be reminded of this. But I'll tell you anyway. He knows where you're at anyway. He, he knows where you're at anyway. He, he knows you. He knows you. And he still loves you in spite of that thing that you think is completely unforgivable. In spite of those years of living in a way that you're like, God, how could you ever find grace enough for me? Step out of the shadow, step into the light, and you'll find it. You'll find it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. We're going to end our time, end, end our time with the season of prayer. But I, I want to give you a little bit of nudge. All right? there, there's nothing. In, guys, I've been around long enough. You know that, that these moments are never about guilt and manipulation or fear. But I do want to make sure that we don't miss moments of opportunity to respond to what God's word and his spirit may be saying to us and teaching us. And so I, I've thought about f- four different folks who might be in the room today. I want to speak to each of you. As we go into a time of, of worship and response, some of you, you just needed to be reminded of God's love for you. You just needed to be reminded of it. That's great. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Come and thank him and worship him for his love and for that, that loving, gentle reminder of how much he loves you. Spend some time just worshiping him for his love. <clears throat> some of you, and I'm talking to, to believing believers right now, some of you still are running maybe like Jonah from your calling, hiding in your sin, whatever it is, but you you would look at today's message and go, you know what the truth of the matter is? Like kids in the playground, I'm either running or I'm hiding from something that, that I know God wants to do in me, in my life, in my family. I want to encourage you to turn to your pursuer and begin moving toward him today. Others, you're just still struggling. You're like, I hear you, Trent. I'm just not convinced that God loves me. I'm not convinced that he is the pursuing God that you made him out to be. And you doubt or struggle with the idea of God's love. Would you come and just tap me on the shoulder and say, I'm just really struggling with that idea. And I'll have a friend just pray with you, talk with you. Maybe we can get a cup of coffee this week to talk more about the pursuing nature of God. But then lastly, and and this morning, perhaps, not perhaps, but this morning, most importantly, if you're here today and you've never embraced God's love as seen in Jesus when he died on the cross to pay for your sins, specifically, you're here today and you don't know that you've ever surrendered your heart, surrendered your life, become a follower of Jesus, 
I'm putting all kinds of ways, language together just to drive it home. You've never repented of of your sins and trusted in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. If you're here today and you doubt whether or not when this life is over you'd be in heaven, you doubt whether or not you have a relationship with your heavenly father, but today you're like, today is the day. Today I want that. I want to know beyond any shadow of a doubt, that I'm a follower of Jesus, that my sins have been forgiven, that I've been adopted into his family, that I'm part of his forever kingdom. I want to make the decision to cross the line and follow Jesus today because I'm convinced that he loves me. And maybe it's a, finally I'm convinced. Finally I believe it. And I'm ready to follow Jesus. Then for you, let today be that day. How does that happen? It happens by confessing him as Lord. It happens by admitting to him your need for his son Jesus to rescue you from your sins. And if you need help with kind of articulating what that looks like, that looks like praying. And I'd love to be down here, and I'll be down here in the front if you come and tap me on the shoulder. And I'll have um, uh, Jacob will be down here, Matt will be down here. We'll all be ready to help you make that decision to follow Jesus today if that's your place in the journey. So today, again, I, I know I'm putting it out there in a lot of different ways, but, but y'all, come on now. God loves us. How does that not change us and move us? So you move as God's spirit leads you. Uh, we got one being baptized today, and if you guys want to get ready, uh, get ready for that, you can. D group leaders, care group leaders, if you want to come and just be ready to pray, if you are not yourself needing prayer, please come and um, be ready for that. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you are the kind of God who chases after, pursues us, longs for a relationship with us, not because you're lonely or needy or there's anything lacking in you, but because you love us. You love your creation. May we, may we uh, know your love and experience your love because it's rooted in the truth of your word. In your name we pray, Christ. Amen. Let's respond as God calls us.